So, in this case, everything is okay with the woman, but there is a problem with the man in terms of his sperm. So, the cause of the barrenness is different. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Amen. How many of you know that Jesus sat down and taught? Did Jesus sit down and, and teach? Yeah. Yeah? Hallelujah. In some men, I'm trying to explain something to you. That when we say that there is barrenness in the church, all right, there are different types of barrenness. So we need to identify them and give them the specific treatment to overcome them. And I'm using couples as examples. Now, a man can be normal. He has spams, normal spams. He has normal erections. But sometimes in men who were very promiscuous during their youthful years, they tend to contract infections. Infections like gonorrhea and other infections. And one of the things that the infections can do is to block the channel through which the sperm travels. And so because the channel is blocked, the sperm has nowhere to go. So he has sperms, but they cannot travel to make the woman conceive. So the treatment for the man, if it is an erectile problem, is different from if he's not producing enough sperms. And that is also different from if the channel is blocked. When you come to a woman who cannot conceive, it may be that the chemicals or the hormones that are produced in her body are not being produced. There are women who don't have their menstrual periods or their menstrual periods are very irregular. Once in three months, once in four months is because of the chemicals are not being produced and the chemicals are not working properly. So the woman is beautiful. She's working there but 
there's a problem with her menstrual cycle. Sometimes the woman does not have the ovaries that produce the eggs. A woman has two ovaries. One is on the left, one is on the right. And every month, those of you here, can you see me? Every month, alternatively, she releases the eggs. If this month she releases from the right, next month she will release from the left. And it is this egg that if it meets the sperm, leads to the formation of a baby. So when the ovaries are not working, the woman is barren. So that is different from if the chemicals are not being produced. Then, in some women, once again, sometimes because they were promiscuous, through infections, the channel between the ovaries, the road, the path between the ovaries and the womb is blocked. Is blocked. So when the egg is released, it cannot. Hello? When the egg is released, it cannot travel down towards the womb. We call it the fallopian tubes. They are blocked. Now, because there are two, if one side is blocked, the other can function. And the woman can become pregnant. In some women, women, both channels are blocked. So there's no way for conception. So that's another reason why there's barrenness in a woman. Then in some women, there's a problem with the womb itself. For example, fibroids. So women develop fibroids that cover the whole of the surface of the womb. And so when the baby is formed and it comes to lie in the womb, it does not have a good place to lie. It's a struggle. And so it comes out. How many of you are here? So I'm trying to explain to you that when a couple cannot conceive, there are different reasons why the barrenness is taking place. Even there are some men and some women whose chemicals fight against each other. There are some men when they release the sperm into the wife, the chemicals of the wife see the sperms as enemies in the body and fight against the sperms and kill the sperms. And so there's no conception. So there are different types of barrenness. 
So barrenness in the church, I gave you 20 signs. The signs are there. But the signs are being caused by certain things in the church. So if the church is not increasing in converts, the numbers are not growing, the numbers of outreaches, the numbers of workers are not growing, there's no prayer, there are no miracles, there's no increase in the uh, visions in the church, and all day, there's no expansion work, no branching, no leadership training, and all that. These are all signs of barrenness. But what is causing the barrenness? There are several causes, and I'm going to take them one by one. Hallelujah. So the first cause of barrenness is called agar barrenness. A-Q-A-R. A-Q-A-R. Agar barrenness. Amen. Amen. Now, the word aga is a Hebrew word. Alright? Write down the following scriptures. It can be found in the following scriptures. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 10. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 10. Oh, sorry. Verse 30. Genesis eleven thirty. Genesis 25, 21. Deuteronomy 7, 14. Judges 13, 2 and 3. Judges 13, 2 and 3. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 5. Hallelujah. Now, this word aga, everybody say aga. Aga means the destruction or removal of generative organs. The destruction or removal of generative organs. It also means to have non-functioning organs. It also means to have non-functioning organs. It means to be barren or sterile. The destruction or removal of generative organs. 
It also means to have non-functioning organs, to be barren or sterile. It is used in reference to people like Sarah, Zelipoli, the mother of Samson, and Rebecca. It is used in reference to people like Sarah, Zelipoli, the mother of Samson and Rebecca. Now look at Genesis chapter 11 and verse 30. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 30. But Sarah was barren. She had no child. That word barren that we are seeing there is the word Agar. Amen. And in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 26, Exodus chapter 23 and verse, yeah, bring it. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 26. The Bible says, There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. That word barren is the word agar. Hallelujah. Churches or individuals suffering from agar barrenness are deficient in the generative aspects of the ministry. This means they are deficient in the outreach and fruit-bearing aspects of church work. They are unable to give birth to other sheep, other churches. Such churches have many activities but programs that generate new souls, new churches are absent. Hallelujah. So a church that is suffering from agar barrenness is not growing because it does not have systems in the church that ensure the continuous generation of souls in the church. That is agar barrenness. Amen. How does a church grow? How does a church grow? For any church to grow, the number of people that are coming into the church must exceed the number of people that go out. Pastors are here. A pastor that wants his church to grow must ensure that 
more people come into the church than go out. How many pastors know that people go out of the church all the time? Eh? How many pastors know that? How many of you know that? People leave the church all the time. Oh, yes. Church members backslide. They backslide. Church members are transferred out of the town or the city. And they travel. Church members get angry and hurt and leave the church. Church members fall into sin and other problems and get discouraged and leave the church. Church members have problems with other church members and do not want to continue to be in the same church with them. I get what I'm saying. So there are many reasons that lead to members of the church living. So if you're a pastor, you must understand that people leave your church all the time. And, 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 and the sad aspect is that when church members have problems, they expect the pastor to be there for them. But when they are leaving, they don't inform the pastor. Yeah. So sometimes, after one year, you meet your church members and say, these days I have not been seen in church. Oh, pastor. He left long time ago. Left long time ago. So the point I'm trying to make is that church members leave the church all the time. Hallelujah. That is why a pastor must intentionally create processes, activities, outreaches, departments that are geared towards bringing more people. When the balance between the number of souls coming into the church and the number of souls leaving the church is in the positive, then the church grows. I'll say it again. When the difference or the balance between the number of people who come into the church and the number of the people who leave the church is in the positive, then the church will grow. What do I mean by that? So, in January, your church membership was 50. In that same January, five of your members left. Let's say students, they left and went to school. So you are left with 45. But through outreaches and soul winning and your uh, covenant family activities, within that same January, you brought in 15 people. So you brought in 15 people, all right, and five people left. You have 10 people coming into the church. So if you add 10 to your original 50 members, you have 60 members. Now you come to February. You enter February with 60 members. Then in February, Three of your members leave. They were transferred. 
Somehow to go to other places to go and do business. So you are left for 57. But in February, through your outreaches, you brought in seven people. So seven people came, three left. Your balance is four. If you add your four to your 60, you have 64. Hello? I know some of you, the mathematics is too difficult, but try and understand it. Are you understanding that? Yes. So, in agar barrenness, and I want the people who are projecting the thing to be typing, you know, type the type of barrenness and put it there. So, in a church that is suffering from agar barrenness, there is no activities and programs that ensure the generation of new souls. And because new souls, new converts are not coming to the church and people are living, that is why the church gets, goes down and down and down and down and down and down. Are you here or you've gone home? Are you here or you've gone home? Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Is it easy to understand? Is it easy to understand? Yes. Agar barrenness. So you see, the church is not growing. Why is not the church growing? It is not growing because there are no departments, no activities, no systems, no outreaches that ensure that souls are coming all the time. Amen. Now, in our church, I was telling you, on the average, on the average, on a Sunday, 50 converts are made. On the average, 50 converts are made. Now, I remember um, we are in what? November? Somewhere in September or August, we realized that our attendance dipped. It went down. And when we analyzed it, we realized that it was because a lot of students went to school. They went back to school. So because they went back to school, the attendance dipped. So we intensify our outreaches. Are you get what I'm saying? And when we intensify our outreaches and continue to bring in more people, all right, we caught up and have exceeded the previous attendance. So many of you are suffering from agar barrenness. Your reproductive, spiritual reproductive organs in the church are deficient or they don't even exist. In many churches, there are no outreach activities at all. At 
doesn't reach out, the members don't reach out. The members don't win anybody. Now, we are in 2018. I have a question for you. I have a question for every one of you here personally. We are in 2018. We are just about to end. Let me ask you a question. How many souls have you on your own brought to this church this year? You. Tell the brother or the sister that Bishop is asking you a question. And he's waiting for an answer. Yes. Now, can you imagine that? Now, can you imagine that? The crowd of people sitting down here. Let's say, even not every week, but every month, each and every one of us brings one soul. By now, by now, Bishop will be having a big problem. Because there will be no space here. So lack of soul winning, lack of outreaches, lack of programs that reach out to sinners is what causes agar barrenness. Barrenness that is related to the lack of generation of souls. Is it clear? Is it clear? Or it is not clear? Is it clear? You see, I, when I started, I, I, I used normal couples to explain. So you see, the pastor say, my church is not growing. My church is not growing. Your church is not growing because you are winning nobody. Yeah. And some pastors are now big shots, very big. We are a big man. You cannot go down to the streets. Jesus went about. Jesus went about. Hello? Jesus did what? Jesus did what? Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. No, verse 17. Let's start with 17. Let's start with 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 23. Verse 23. 23. And Jesus, watch this. And Jesus went about. Everybody say, and Jesus went about. Jesus. What does he mean by Jesus went about? It means he actually moved from place to place. From place to place. He went about all Galilee. All Galilee. Galilee is in the northern part of our Israel. Teaching and preaching. Yes, Jesus. He did not sit in one place. There is too much sitting in one place in our churches. As for programs, there are programs. We have programs for singles, programs for married couples. We have programs for prophetic manifestations. 
We have all night prayer meetings. We have singles mingle. We have, you know, social activities. We have a lot of programs in our churches. But there are not much soul winning programs. Yeah. There are not much soul winning programs. Hallelujah. So new churches are not being given birth to. New cells are not being given birth to. The activities that must bring in the people are not existence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Eh? Such churches have many activities, but programs that generate new churches, new converts, new souls are non-existent. Hallelujah. Every minister must consider the outreach aspect of his ministry. Do you have crusades? Do you plant new churches? The absence of crusades, breakfast meetings, witnessing campaigns, and church planting shows a deficiency in the generative aspect of your ministry. Amen? I think we can put it on lightly, okay? The lower, lower, lower level. Are you listening to that? Are you listening to that? Are you listening to that? I am talking about agar barrenness. How do you overcome agar barrenness? Every minister must consider the outreach. Everybody say outreach. Outreach aspect of his ministry. Do you have crusades? Do you have new churches? Do you plant new churches? The absence of crusades, breakfast meetings, witnessing campaigns, and church planting shows a deficiency in the generative aspect of your ministry. Hallelujah. Barren people also receive and probably have the tapes. They may even be involved in other activities of the church. They are seen at prayer meetings and become fat spiritually. However, such people will not be involved in church planting, evangelism, or soul winning. They have a deficiency in their spiritual generative organs. So, in churches that are suffering from agar barrenness, the church members themselves are suffering from agar barrenness. Now, this year, 2018, if you are here and you personally, church workers, not the pastors, church workers, you personally, you have added Three members to this church. Stand up. 
Anybody here who in 2018 have added three members, three new people to this church? Stand up. I want to see. I want to see. That through your personal evangelism, in almost one year, you brought three people who are members of this church through your personal evangelism, through your personal invitation, through your personal witnessing. Stand up. That's what you see. It's a gabarinous. So you see, the members sit in the church only to receive. That is why the church doesn't grow. That is why there's no expansion. Christians are called to be witnesses. Not receivers of blessings and prayers and hands and anointings. So I see when we say the church is not growing, this is the reason. So you can see that almost 100% we are suffering from agar barrenness. You see what Bishop Doug is saying here. You are fulfilling it. Barren people also receive the word and probably have the tips. They may even be involved in other activities of the church. When there are other activities of the church, you are here. When we are having festivals, you are here. Singles programs, you are here. My, my programs for, for married couples, you are here. Conventions, you are here. Those ones, you are here. When we say, let us have a church party and eat couscous. Is that how they call it? Eh? Couscous. By the way, where is uh, uh, the lady who served the food? I tried the couscous yesterday. It was very nice, eh? Yes. Let us come and eat couscous. You'll be running. But let us go on witnessing. We can't find you. Yeah. Pastors, if you want your ch- I'll show you Pastors, I will show you how to let your church grow in only one week. How many pastors want me to show you how to, so that your whole before one week? Four. Very good. This Sunday, when you go to church, announce that next Sunday you are going to have a party in the church. Party. Tell them that there will be couscous, there will be food, there will be chicken, there will be pork, there will be uh, drink, uh, minerals, Coca-Cola. There will be music. There will be dancing. Tell them. Look, your church will be full until you have to sack some of them to go. You see? So you realize that our members have become so carnal, fleshy. Eh? Yes. The things of the flesh, what feeds the flesh is what matters to us. I got what I'm saying. Yes. But not what builds the church. I mean, can you imagine all of you here? How many of you this year, you have added one person? You brought one person. Okay, one person. One person. One person. Only one. Only one. How many? You have brought, because of you, one person has, has joined this church. Can I see your hand? 
This year, this year. Yeah, I have some five or seven people. Hallelujah. Eh? Then, pastors, let me show you how to finish your church. <laughs> how to finish your church. After you have used food to grow your church in one week. How to finish your church in one week. Yeah? Tell them, next week, Sunday, when we come, we will go on the streets to go and do evangelism. There will be no worship, no, no sermon. We'll go on the street to go and do evangelism. Only five people will come. Only five. Only five. You say, Bishop, how do you know? I have some of those people in my church. Yes. Do you get it? May you be healed from agabarinus. I say receive healing for agar barrenness. Yes. Now, how do you treat agar barrenness? How do you treat agar barrenness? You treat agar barrenness by using the secret of industrialization. The secret of industrialization. Hallelujah. Now, in this book, the mega church. Okay? Please get your copy. In this book, Bishop Dad teaches on a principle which he calls the secret of industrialization. Hallelujah. Are you here or you've gone home? Are you enjoying the word of God? I'm teaching you how to overcome barrenness. Barrenness. A great explosion is coming into this church. Hallelujah. I said a great explosion is coming into this church. Do you believe that? Amen. So, how do you treat agar barrenness? Number one, you must use the principle of industrialization. I like to think of the future and how things will be like in some years to come. 
I've often wondered what our church will be like in a few years. As I pondered over the future of the church, the Lord told me that one way I could secure the future was to develop a culture of industrialization. God instructed me to industrialize my church. He showed me how our nations at that time was only importing goods from western countries and reselling them at a profit. There is no future in this, the Lord said. Have you noticed that the richest nations of the world are all involved in producing important products? Yes, I replied. God showed me that the richest nations of the world produce cars. The best cars come from the richest countries of the world. These countries are rich because they produce something. The church will be rich in souls if we begin to spiritually industrialize. Are you understanding that? Just as the success of the nations of the world depends on their producing something, the success of the church depends on her producing souls. An industry is an organized system of producing goods and services regularly. An industry is a deliberately, intentionally organized system. It comes out of a well-defined product on a regular basis. It does not only produce its products when it is convenient, nor does it produce goods accidentally. An industry is also very profit-oriented. Any nation that does not establish industries is doomed to buy second-hand things forever. It is doomed to be at the mercy of those who produce goods and services. When I speak of industrialization, I am not speaking of making money. I am talking about churning out souls deliberately and regularly. Can I have an amen? Yeah. So the way to overcome agar barrenness is through the secret of industrialization, which means that a church must be producing souls regularly and intentionally on a regular basis. Amen? Yeah. Please try and stay up. <laughs> I am a businessman for God and my currency is human souls. Your church will have reached an industrialized stage when it begins to churn out souls regularly and systematically. The important word here is regular. I know of some car factories that produce one car every three minutes. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19 and verse 13, occupy or do business till I come. That is, industrialize and commercialize with diligence until I come. In other words, Jesus expects us to take the business of soul winning as a very serious enterprise. Soul winning 
should be intentional and not incidental. Hallelujah. Yes. Eh? Yes. So to overcome agar barrenness in our churches, we need to industrialize. We must create industries in the church that produces souls. What are some of the industries that we can produce in our churches to produce souls? Cells. Cells. What do you, you call here? Covenant family meetings. Yes. When we create cells, and the cell members engage in regular soul winning, we would always have a lot of new converts in the church. That is how we have been able, by the grace of God, to build a church. A large church within one year. Two cells. And the cells are evangelizing on a weekly basis and bringing in converts. So the cells is a type of industry. Another type of industry you can have in your church are different types of outreaches. One-on-one -on -one outreaches street outages, uh, breakfast meetings, for example, professionals and business people in your church can have breakfast meetings in hotels, in nice places, on monthly basis, invite their friends, colleagues at work, who have no time for God and for the things of God. And through that, you can win them. Mini crusades or big open air crusades are all industries. Musical concerts. So for example, the choir. The choir, all right, could be outreaching, let's say, once every quarter of the year to a big musical concert in a tertiary institution in a place or even in this church where a lot of unbelievers are invited and the choir ministers powerfully for one hour, two hours at the end of it, there's preaching and souls are won. This year, our, our young people, we call them are passionate for Christ. Our young people's church is a safe church. And, and the outreach movement, we call it the passionate for Christ. Let's do this thing for Jesus. And we organized a big program. A big program. There were a lot of children there. And my young people had choreography. They had dancing. 
And then we brought in a young gospel artist who came also to minister. At the end of it, I got up myself. Now, these were 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 5-year-olds, 6-year-olds, very young people. And I preached to them a simple evangelistic message. And when I made the altar call, I was shocked the number of young people who gave their lives to Christ. So we must have industries that produce souls in our churches and it must be intentional and on regular basis. That is how to overcome barrenness that is related to the lack of the production of souls. It's a good place for you to clap your hands for the Lord. Amen? Are you here or you've gone home? Many pastors are afraid of starting churches because they do not know how to win souls. Others don't know how to follow up and establish converts in the law. They only know how to break churches and take away half of somebody else's church members. No industry turns out a car accidentally. It is a deliberate planned exercise. It is time for us to deliberately win souls with the regularity of a factory. So every pastor here, when you go from this conference, set up soul winning factories. I'll give you examples. Set up soul winning factories. In your church. Hallelujah. God show me how to set up the church and ministry to deliberately and regularly win souls every month. My church is divided into chapels, ministries, and fellowships. Each ministry is supposed to have a regular monthly outreach. The Lord showed me that it is important for the ministries to develop the habit of having a monthly, a monthly outreach without needing a special exhortation to do so. Car factories do not need a charismatic manager to preach about the importance of producing their products for the month. In contrast, churches and ministries seem to need a special emotional seminar on soul winning. Without this, everybody forgets about the harvest. Surely, this is not an industrialized church. That is why I initiated ministries and fellowships, so that we will win some souls every month. I am not directly involved in the soul winning of those souls. It is done at the ministry and fellowship level. I do not have to go and whip up enthusiasm for the winning of souls before it happens. It just happens automatically. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Eh? An industrialized church 
is concerned with the member of the number of people converted every month. So if we are a pastor, you must be concerned about how many people are being converted every month. How many people are being converted every week? Always do an altar call. Expecting people to give their lives to Christ. Always. About three weeks ago or so, you know, I was, um, I visited the evening service of um, my bishop, Bishop Da. And he did something that struck me. After he had finished preaching, he made an altar call. And he said, if you are here and you don't know Jesus and you want to give your life to Jesus, please come to the front and give your life to Jesus. When he made the altar call, nobody came forward. Nobody moved. And he made the altar call again. And he said, if you are here, and you want to give your life to Christ, come to the front. And nobody came. And he said, well, you cannot say that I didn't give you the opportunity. I gave you the opportunity. Then, he did something. He said, but if you are here, and you are not sure of your salvation, I'm still calling forward. And then suddenly, I saw people popping up and coming to the front. You see, what struck me was, was the persistence. The persistence to get somebody saved by all means. Pastors, we must, in our, our hearts must burn to see people coming into the kingdom. Hello? You see, the church is not a playground. The church is not a, a social club. The church is not just an institution just, just, that is just there for being there sick. No. There is a reason for the church. The church is the only organization that has been mandated to ensure the salvation of the souls of men and women. So we must be concerned. We must be concerned. And Jesus was concerned about the salvation of souls. That is why he came. That is why he came. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he went round. He went round. He went round. Hallelujah. He went round. Mark 1, look at Mark 1, verse 37. Mark 1, verse 37. Mark 1, verse 37. And when they have found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Verse 38. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, 
let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. I came so that every time we hear about the kingdom of God. Pastors, we must understand the, the work that God has given to us. Pastors, we must understand the work that God has given to us. Doctors are there waiting for people to be sick so that they will treat them. Nurses are trained for three years and when they start practicing, they are waiting for people to be sick so that they will nurse them. Policemen are waiting to bring peace into communities. Soldiers have been trained to wait eh, to fight against enemies of states. Yeah. Pilots are trained to fly people safely to their destinations from one place to the other. In the same way, we pastors are also there for only one reason. The salvation of the souls of men and women who are dying and going to hell. Christians, we have been saved to ensure the salvation of men and women who are dying and perishing and going to hell. A pastor should not sit in the church. Church members should not sit in the church unconcerned as sinners are dying. That is why the whole of the year only a few people sitting down here have brought anybody to church. But we are rather coming to church to receive. Pastor, preach. Pastor, lay your hands on me. Pastor, pour oil on me. Pastor, declare that I'll have a good wife. Pastor, declare that I'll have a good husband. That's all that we want. That's all that we want. Please, let's go back to the heart of Jesus. Let's go back to the heart of Jesus. Can I have an amen? amen. John chapter 10 and verse 16. John chapter 10 and verse 16. John chapter 10 and verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring them also I must bring. 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 Okay? Also means that I have brought these ones, but there are some other ones. Living Word of Faith Outreach Ministries International. Thank God for the soul that God has given to us already, but there are other souls that we must bring in from different parts of Freetown. And from different parts of Sierra Leone. Yes. We, we cannot be happy. We cannot rest on our oars. Both pastors and members must be consumed with the salvation of the souls of men. 
Listen, without that, the church is a dead place. The church is a useless place. The church is a purposeless place. The church should, I mean, exist just in a name. It just exists in a name. It's just a, a lame church. A lame church. The church is just like a, a toothless dog. A toothless bull. And you see it very big and standing there. But it cannot bite. We must make an impact in the communities. Because of us, men that are rushing to hell must be arrested and turned back into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Huh? Yes. So that is how we must overcome agar barrenness. The second type of barrenness that churches suffer from is called shakor barrenness. Shakor. S H A K O L. S H A K O L Shakor Barrenness. Right, give me a church planting book. Write down these scriptures. Leviticus 26, 22. Leviticus 26, 22. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 19. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 19. Deuteronomy 32, 25. Deuteronomy 22, 25. Now, in Leviticus 26, 22, the Bible says that I will also send wild beasts among you which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number and your highways shall be desolate. That word is the word shakor. So watch this. He said, I will send wild beasts among you which shall rob you of your children. So now, shakor barrenness eh, is different from agar barrenness. In agar barrenness, we are not bringing people into the church. We are not producing souls. We are not winning souls. We are not adding converts. We are not having outreaches. We are not having crusades. We are not planting new churches. 
We are not setting up cells or covenant family meetings. We are not having breakfast meetings. So, there is no consistent, intentional, regular production of souls into the church. That is agar barrenness. But in shakur barrenness, something else is happening. Shakur means to miscarry. To suffer abortion. To be bereaved of children. To be barren. To cast your young. To make childless. And to be deprived of children. Shakur means to miscarry, to suffer abortion, or to be bereaved of children, to be barren, to cast your young, to make childless, and to be deprived of children. Hallelujah. That is Shakur barrenness. Amen. So, such churches, listen to me, such churches or ministers cannot keep the souls that God gives them. As you can see, they constantly cast their young and suffer abortions. Such ministers cannot sustain the growth and are unable to continue in the things that God gives to them. Many churches receive large numbers of visitors and even converts. You must work on keeping these converts. You must make sure that your visitors come again. Hallelujah. I always pray over my members. Lord, when they go, let them come back to church. As they come back, let them come with more people. This kind of prayer counteracts shakur barrenness. I pray that each member becomes a minister and that each minister gives birth to a church. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So watch this. See, I'm really, really taking my time to teach you this. Now listen. Listen to this. Listen to this. Alright? Alright? Now, when it comes to a church suffering from agabariness, it's not bringing souls. There are churches also that are not growing and expanding, not because they are not bringing souls, they have industries that produce souls on a regular basis. And yet, the church doesn't grow. Why? Because they are not able to keep the souls that come into the church. Now, this is one of the unfortunate reasons why some couples don't have children.
That's one of the unfortunate reasons. There is nothing wrong with the woman. There's nothing wrong with the husband. The woman is able to conceive. But for some reason, the conception always comes out. There are women who have had seven miscarriages, five miscarriages, three miscarriages, eight miscarriages, and that is the reason why they don't have even one single child. Now, in such women, there are several reasons. In some of them, the, the, the tip of the womb, the tip of the womb, all right, becomes loose. So when the baby starts to form in the womb and it begins to exert a little pressure, it just flows through the tip of the womb and comes out. So in such women, one of the things that doctors do is that they will put special stitches at the tip or the neck of the womb. And then such women sometimes have to lie down for nine months throughout the pregnancy. Amen? Amen. So pastors, the reason why your church could not be growing maybe is that you are bringing in people but you can't keep them. Now when I look at our church, alright, even with the level of growth that God has given to us this year, I think that we could have two or three times that. that I mean, a church that has an average of 50 people, 50 converts on a, on a Sunday, on a Sunday, that is 200 people in a month. So in, in 10 months, that is 2,000 converts. So this year alone, this year alone, we have had nothing less than 2,000 converts. No, I'm, I'm trying to explain something. So even the level of growth that we have shows that we are not very efficient at keeping the converts. Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? Please stand to your feet. Give five people a high five. Move around and give another five people high five. Hallelujah. 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 
Please keep standing. How many of you are understanding barrenness? Barrenness in the church. How it happens. Barrenness means that we are not bearing fruit in the church. The church is not growing. The church is not increasing. Why? Number one, because we may not be bringing in people. Number two, we may be bringing in people, but we cannot keep them. Hello? I'll demonstrate it to you. Sit down. I'll demonstrate it to you. Now, all those of you in the black jacket in this room, okay, please come and study. No, st stand. Stand like this. So this is the pastor. Pastor, please stand here. Pastor has preached to them. Okay. And now, all of them, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, have come into the church. Please go into the church. Sit down. But watch. The pastor has brought them in. But he has not put in systems in the church to keep them in the church. So after one week of being in the church, one, two, three, one, two, three, pass this way. One, two, three, four, pass this way. One, two, three, four. Go back to the world. Now everybody watch. After two months, he's left of two. He's left of two. So his barrenness was not because he didn't bring in the people. He brought in the people but he has not been able to keep the people in the church. He has been suffering from miscarriage of souls, abortion of souls. Hallelujah. So, so that is why the scripture that we read in uh, Leviticus 26, 22, he said, I will also, this is God. God said, I will also send wild beasts among you which shall rob you of your children. So, churches, thank you, that are suffering from shakur barrenness are being robbed of the church members. They are being robbed of the church members.
Amen? Amen? Are you here or you've gone home? I'm really taking my time. How many of you can understand what I'm teaching? Can you understand it? You can understand it? Yeah. That the reason why the church is not growing, we have gone out. We have done crusades. We have done covenant meetings. We have done breakfast meetings. We have done one-on-one evangelism. We have done everything. We have brought in the souls. But within the church, we are not able to keep them. So the souls leave. They just leave. Just as they, they come, they also leave. And the church doesn't grow. That is shakor barrenness. Shakor barrenness. To miscarry, to suffer abortion, to be bereaved of children. Hallelujah. Now, how do you overcome shakor barrenness? How do you overcome shakor barrenness? Number one, intercede for the sheep. Intercede for the sheep. So the pastor and the church workers must continuously intercede for the converts and the new people that are coming into the church. Amen? Can I have an amen? Can I have a demanding amen? A believing amen? Prayer intercession for the sheep is one of the ways of ensuring that you keep your sheep in the church. Jesus, watch this. Jesus prayed for us. Jesus prayed for us. And watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Hear this. Jesus prayed for us. And I make another statement. Jesus is still praying for us. Where did he pray for us? John chapter 17. Look at it. Look at it. John 17. A pastor who does not pray cannot keep the sheep in the church. Church workers, covenant family, Leaders, cell leaders, satellite church pastors who cannot pray and do not intercede cannot keep the sheep in the church. This way spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may, be, may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. 
and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest thou, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept that word. Now wait there. Watch this. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus said to the Father, you gave them to me. Pastors, increase comes from God. Growth comes from God. Always remember that. No pastor can grow a church. Hello? The growth of the church is the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Paul said, I have planted, Apollos have watered, but God gave the increase. Now, but God gave the increase. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. I want to show you something. You see, no pastor should take glory when your church has grown or is growing. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. The real goat of the church. Look, you can pray, you can evangelize, you can build a nice church, you can do everything and your church will still not grow. I planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. Verse 7. Verse 7. So then, watch it. So then, neither is he that planted anything. Neither he that watered. But God that giveth the increase. It is God that brings the increase. That is why we must cry to him. When pastors are not praying to go for the increase, they don't know what they are doing. They don't know what they are doing. We must cry. Oh, I'm always crying. I say, Lord, please, Lord, please send the increase. Bring the people. Gather the people. Hey, Saturday night, I'll be praying, crying to God. Yes. Gather the people. One of the things that amazes me is how the church becomes full. It's an, it's, it's an amazing thing to me. Because when I go to church, I mean, Bishop was there. Our service starts at 9.30. 9.30 a big cathedral we may have just about 5 or 10 people yeah prayer is going on place is almost empty 10 o'clock praise and worship starts maybe 70 people 100 people 10.15, 10.20 you now see a stream 
Within 30 minutes, the whole place is packed. It always amazes me. It's as if that the people are somewhere and somebody has gone to use fire to touch their bombs and they are running to church. May God give you that experience in your church. I say may God give you that experience in your church. Hallelujah. Yes. So Jesus, go back. John chapter 17 and verse 6. I am teaching you how to overcome shakur barrenness. And I'm saying the first thing is intercession for the sheep. I've manifested thy name unto them without givest me out of the world. Thine they were and thou givest me. Pastors, remember that. Who gives us the sheep? Who gives us the sheep? That is why we should never be proud. Never ascribe any glory to yourself. Never think. You know, it, it is one of the things that I always pray about. I say, Lord, please help me. Help me. You know, because people sometimes say things. People sometimes say things. And as humans, it can enter your head. No, it can. It can. When you are a lady and you are always being told you are beautiful, you are charming, you are beautiful, sister. Be careful. It can enter you. Yeah. Yeah. A pastor's wife a pastor's wife. Listen to this. Papa Hagan. How many of you heard of Papa Hagan? Kenneth Hagan. God showed him how demons work. And it, God gave him, you know, a vision. What had happened was that a pastor's wife left the husband and now started to sleep with men in hotels. And God showed Papa Hagan how it happened. And this is how it happened. This is a true story. The lady was very beautiful. Very beautiful. And then she began to hear the voice you are beautiful. The ministry has cheated you. If you were in the world and you became an actress, you have made a lot of money. And she said to the voice, go away from me, Satan, in Jesus' name. But the voice persisted. And she will always rebuke it. But it got to a time that she would stand in the mirror and look at herself. And she began to say, it's true. It's true. It's true. I am beautiful. Yeah. You can read it. I believe in visions. Or how demons work. One of those books. And the demon entered the mind and descended into the heart. And Papa Hagan saw a black dot in her heart, in her spirit. The demon took over her life. 
and this pastor's wife left the pastor and started sleeping with men in hotels. Yeah. But God still loved her. And God sent a man of God to her in the hotel. And when she opened the door in her whatever attire, she said to the pastor, you see, that, that is the point at which she perished. She said, go away from me. I don't need that your Jesus anymore. It was over. The point I'm trying to make is that as pastors, as Christians, as church workers, we should be careful. There are three things that God says we should not touch. We should not touch the tithe. The tithe is mine. We should not touch the glory. The glory is his. And he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Three things. We should learn to give God all the glory all the time. Because Jesus said, you gave them to me. Anything we have in the ministry was given to us by God. The Bible says, what have you that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not? If we are a lady here and you are married, and you see ladies who are not married, be humble. Don't look down upon them. That husband was given to you by God. Hello? That's not because you are beautiful. Look. When you pastor for a long time, you will see that you will see that the people that you marry, the ladies that you marry, often are not the most beautiful. Yeah. Often are not the most beautiful. So those of you who think that you are beautiful, be careful. For it is not of him that will it, neither of him that run it, but it is of God that showeth mercy. The race is not to the swift, and the battle is not for the strong. Amen. And bread is not wise. And riches are not for men of understanding. But time and chance happened to them all. For promotion cometh not from the south, nor from the east, nor from the west. But God is the judge. He lifted up one and he put it down another. Paul said, I am what I am, but by the grace of God. He said, I labored more than all of them, yet not I. But the grace, always let's remember, is the grace. You have a nice voice. You stand here. Bishop has given you an opportunity to sing. Be humble. Be humble. It's the grace of God. Hallelujah. Continue the scripture. Now, they have known that all things for so thou givest me are of thee. 
So Jesus is praying for us. For I have given unto them the words which thou givest me, and they have received them, and I have known surely that I have come out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Watch this, verse 9. Watch this. John 17, 9. I pray for them. I pray for them. A pastor must intercede for the sheep. To keep them in the church. To keep them in the church. To keep them in the church. This is the first key to overcoming shako barrenness. You know, pastors and church workers, let me tell you this. Most of our ordinary Christians, they don't pray. I mean, even those of us who are pastors, we are struggling. What about modern day Christians, they don't pray. So we must intercede. We must pray on their behalf. Yes. Our prayers will deliver them from temptation. Our prayers will deliver them from foolishness. Our prayers will deliver them from the attacks of the enemy. Our prayers will bring conviction of the Holy Spirit into their lives. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me for they are dying. Continue. And all my are dying, and thy are mine. And I'm glorified in them. And now I'm no more in the world. But these are in the world. And I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thy own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are one. But watch, he said, keep them. I pray that you keep them. A pastor must intercede that the sheep will be kept in the church. Pastor man, I you understand what I'm saying? You must pray. Intercede for the sheep. Yes. You must intercede for the converts. You must intercede for the young sheep. You must intercede for the older sheep. On regular basis. That is the first step to overcoming losing the people that God gives to you. You see, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. And I told you, not only did he pray, but he's still praying for us. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I see God growing your church. God is giving you keys that are going to lead to an explosion in your church. Yeah. The souls are going to be arrested in your church. Yeah. Wherefore, he's able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. How does he do it? He's seen he ever lived to make intercession for them. Pastors, are you seeing that? The Bible is saying that Jesus is able to save us to the end or to the uttermost. Those of us that God gave to him. He, wherefore he's able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever lived to make intercession for them. So intercession 
for your church members, for the converts, for the people that God has given to you, for your children that God has given to you, is the first key to keeping them in the church and overcoming shakur barrenness, miscarriage, abortion, losing the people. Amen. Amen. Paul. Paul was into church planting. He planted the churches in so many places. He planted a church in Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonica and Galatia. He planted the churches in all these places. And what did he do? Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. He interceded for them. He interceded for them. My little children, of whom I travail, I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Are you getting that? He said, I tra to travel means to, to continue to pray with strength and energy. Eish. Eish. Eh? Yeah. To continue to pray with energy and strength and with, with passion and with zeal for the sheep. Until Christ be formed in you. Epaphras was a man of prayer. Epaphras prayed and interceded. Paul was praying for the sheep all the time. Let me show you some of the prayers that Paul prayed. Philippians chapter 1. Let's read from verse 14. And the person who is giving us the scriptures, if you can be quick, it will really, really help us. Philippians. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 14. I'm showing you Bible prayers. A pastor and church worker must be praying these prayers. Which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchase, possession unto the praise of his glory. Verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Making mention. You see, a pastor must take a list, the list of names of your members, of your converts, and mention them. Joseph Brimer. Lord, I pray for Joseph Brimer. Establish him. Francesca Coroma. Oh, Lord. The other time, she said that she was very disappointed in you. She doesn't want to come to church again. I pray, Holy Spirit, convert her. Lord, I pray for James. Uh, uh, I know only two names. Brimer and Coroma. Kamara. <laughs> I pray for Agnes Kamara. Lord, she's gone back to her always. I pray, Holy Spirit, arrest her. Bring conviction to her heart. You must pray. He said, making mention of you in my prayers. 
Verse 17. Verse 17. Verse 17. Quickly, 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 quickly. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to ask what who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So he was praying for them. For the Ephesian Christians. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. I love these prayers. I pray these prayers all the time for my sheep. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus. Are you seeing that? I bow my knees that I'm praying for you. Paul prayed for the sheep all the time. Pastors, we need to pray for the sheep all the time. Jesus prayed for the sheep. Paul and apostles prayed for the sheep. We must also. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Are you seeing that? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I love this praise. Philippians chapter 1 from verse 8. Man of God, are you understanding it? Yes. So a pastor who does not pray, I don't know whether you want to build a church or you are, you are a, a, a market, you are doing marketing. The, I, I, don't, I don't know what you are doing. And remind me to show you a dangerous scripture about what happens to pastors when they don't pray in Jeremiah. Remind me. For God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Verse 9. And this I pray. You see, one, one more time. One more time. He's praying. And this I pray. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled of the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. What praise. What wonderful praise. Huh? Colossians chapter 1 from verse 9. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease. Pastors, are you seeing that? Church workers, are you seeing that? Yes, eh? Do not cease 
do not cease. But we are ceasing to pray. Jesus is praying for us all the time. We are snoring. Pastor. Huh? The pastor is snoring. 3 a.m. The Holy Spirit has, you know, woke up to pray. The pastor says, And some of you, when you sleep, you are more than hippopotamus. train driver are you a train driver or you a pastor ask the person that look are you a train driver or you a pastor give the Lord a wonderful clap of it But look at Paul. For this gospel also since the day we heard it. Do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work. And increasing. Come on read along with me. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Amen. How many of you are going to pray for the sheep? Now, let me give you a dangerous scripture. How many of you want a dangerous scripture? Never forget the scripture. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 21. I always give pastors this scripture. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 21. For the pastors have become Brutish. Hello? The word brutish is the word senseless, foolish, stupid. Watch this. God is insulting the pastors. Your <laughs> pastors here at this point, God is insulting you. Eh? Yes. Jesus called the Pharisees. He said, you are serpents. You are hypocrites. You are hypocrites. You are senseless. You are, you are serpents. Yeah. Why? Look, this morning, we have done very well 
we left here, I think midnight or whatever. We are here very early. We have dressed very early. We have come before God. Why is God calling us senseless? Why is God calling us senseless? Some pastors here and some church members here, God is addressing you this morning as senseless. Foolish. Stupid. So you are a stupid pastor. You are a senseless pastor. Senseless means that you don't have brains. Your brains are not working. Your head is full of water now. Coconut. Uh, don't be angry with me. It's God. I beg you. You know me, I love you. But God, watch. For the, if you had other translations, I would have shown you so many translations. Yeah. For the pastors have become brutish. Why? And have not sought the Lord. The reason why God is saying that you have become senseless, you have become foolish, you have become stupid is that God said, you don't seek me. You don't pray. You don't wait upon me. You don't ask me questions. You don't take instructions from me. You don't come to me. Yeah. You don't. You don't. Passes. Now you know how to do the ministry. You are wise enough. You are anointed enough. You are ex Many pastors are doing the ministry based on experience. Some people are doing the ministry based on what somebody else is do, doing. So you are in the church and you hear that somebody has started an early morning prophetic service. Oh, we must. In two weeks, we are starting early morning prophetic service. Who told you? Who told you? The ministry is the work of the Holy Spirit. We must be guided by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. He said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Yes. We have to seek the Lord. We must wait. Wait. Wait on the Lord. We must wait. Wait, wait on the Lord. Learn our lessons well. In his time, he will tell us what to do, what to say, where to go. Hallelujah. We must wait, wait, wait on the Lord. I must wait, wait, wait on the Lord. Learn our lessons well. In his time, he will tell us what to do, what to say, where to go. We must wait. We must wait. Wait, wait, wait on the Lord. Let our lessons well. 
Learn our lessons well In his time He will tell us What to do What to say Where to go Our lessons well Oh Learn our lessons well In his time He will tell us What to do What to say where to go learn our lessons well learn lessons well in his time he will tell us what to do what to say what to go hallelujah do you know that do you know that listen to me do you know that we'll come back to this scripture do you know pastors that when you stand what you say is not from you. What you say is what is given to you by the Spirit of God. Matthew chapter 10 verses 19 and 20. Look at it. Hmm? Jesus, I love you. I love you. Because you care. Couldn't imagine if you were there. Jesus, I love you, I love you because you care. I couldn't imagine if you were there. Let me teach you another song. Jesus, I love you. Come on. Jesus, I love you, I love you Because you care I couldn't imagine If you weren't there Jesus, I love you Jesus, I love you, I love you Because you care I couldn't imagine if you were in there, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love. How many of you love Jesus? Because you care. I couldn't imagine if you were in there. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I couldn't imagine. Because you care, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine if you were in there. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Come on. Because you care. Oh, I couldn't imagine if you were in there. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Mm, because you care. Oh, I couldn't imagine if you were in there. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Oh, because you 
clap offering then let's learn the other one we must wait 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 on the Lord we must wait 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 on the Lord learn our lessons well learn our lessons well time he will tell us what to do what to say and where to go can stand to your feet and lift up your hands and tell the lamb i must wait, wait. i must wait. wait come on wait come on wait, wait on the lord i, I must wait. lift up your two hands unto jesus Wait on the Lord. Let my lessons well. Let my lessons well. In His time, He will tell me what to do, what to say, where to go. Say, I must wait. I must wait. I must wait. I must wait. wait. I want to see your two hands lifted up to Jesus. I must wait. I must wait. Come on. Wait. Oh. Wait on the Lord. Learn my lessons well. Learn my lessons well. It's time. It will tell me what to do, what to say, where to go. Now listen. We must wait. We must wait. Come on. We must. Lord. 
I want to hear you blessing the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. You are our God, Lord. We bless you, Lord. There is none like unto you. Be glorified. Be adored, Lord. Be adored, Lord. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a wonderful clap offering. Then, last night, I taught you a song. Is that not so? What was the song? What was the song that I taught you last night? Eh? Eh? My God who began it, He will accomplish it. Come on, come on. My God who began it, Come on. He will Put your hands together. Is the Alpha, is the Alpha Omega. Oh, the beginning and the end. Huh. He will accomplish it. He will accomplish it. Is the Alpha, is the Alpha Omega. The beginning and the end. insulted you. <laughs> you know the Bible said that God is the God of all comfort. 
So let's go back. For the pastors have become brutish. Why? And have not sought me, the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper. And all their flocks shall be scattered. Are you seeing that? So when you don't pray, your flocks scatter. So the first way to overcome shakur barrenness is intercession for the sheep. Number two. Number two. Number two. Follow up. Do follow up of the sheep. Do follow up of the sheep. Amen. Do follow up of the sheep. How do you follow up the sheep? One of the ways, once again, is to pray. Another way is to visit them. Visit the sheep. A pastor who wants to keep the sheep must visit them. Where? In their homes. Where? At their offices. Where? At their business places. Where? Wherever they are, you must visit them. Pastors and church workers must visit their sheep every week. Every week. New converts who come to the church must be visited within 20, 24 to 48 hours. You must visit them. Amen. Pastors, listen to me. Any ship that you visit will stay in your church. There is power that is released through visitation. Now look at all of us. We are sitting down here because God came to visit us. God came to visit us. And that's why we are here. When you visit your ship, you will know their real situation in life. When you visit your ship, you are showing them that you love them. When you visit your ship, you are showing them that you care for them. When you visit your ship, all right, it is an opportunity for you to pray for them. When you visit your ship, you get the opportunity to solve the difficult situations that they are finding themselves in. In Genesis chapter 18, when God visited Abraham and Sarah, they were in serious marital crisis because they did not have a child. They don't have a child. Abraham was 99 years. Sarah was 89. And they did not have a child. Serious marital problem. By the time God finished that visitation, he told them, don't worry, next year by this time, this problem will be solved. So, I visited so many members of my church who have said, Pastor, it was good you came today. It was very good. You came today. Today. So that sometimes you visit them through, through your phone calls. I have a church member who works around me who wanted to take 
his own life. Yeah. Because of all kinds of troubles. He missed poison in his room. He was just about to take it, to die. And around that time, one of my pastors called him. Where are you? How is life? What are you doing? Pastor, I'm just about to take poison to die. Pastor said, don't do it. Rushed to his house. Comforted him. That is why he's alive today, serving the Lord. That's why he's alive today, serving the Lord. So, to overcome Shakur barrenness, the losing of convert members, there must be in place in the church a system of visitation. The pastor himself must visit, all the associates must visit, the, the, the covenant family leaders must visit, there must be visitations at all levels. Yeah. I can visit for eight hours, five hours, seven hours. I'm visiting my ship. I drive my car into villages, park my car. And together with my pastors and the leaders there, we move to member after member after member to visit them. And they get shocked. Pastors, when you begin to visit your members in their homes, they'll be shocked. They'll be shocked that because of them, you have left everything to come to them. That is how can they be committed to the church. So a pastor must not be a big shop. Armchair chemist. Who doesn't move? You are sitting in the office. No. You must go to the ship. One time, one of my friends, a pastor, he shared with me his experience. He said, every time he had a meeting with his church workers, there was this particular church worker that he would get angry with because he always came very late. He will always come into the meeting when the meeting was far in advance and he was always angry with him. Until one day, this my friend decided to go and visit him. And he said, I drove my car. I got to a point the car couldn't go anymore. So I have to get down and walk. And I went down alleys and valleys and through hills and all kinds of places to arrive at the house of my worker. He said, when I got to his house, I now understood why he would come to church late. He said, I was so ashamed at myself for rebuking him. Because I said to myself, if I were him, I would not even come to church. You see, we don't we sit in the church, we don't even know the real situation of our members. Some of the members who come to the front to give 500 leo, they don't have anything to eat. They don't even have any place to sleep. But you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You're just insulting them and rebuking them. You don't come to church. Sunday you are sleeping in the house. But you don't know the real situation of the sheep. Visitation will let you know the real situation of the sheep. 
Yes. A, fam- a covenant family leader. Visit the ship. You know their real situation. And I tell you, from my experience, anybody that you will visit will be committed. Yeah. I've been in our church for years, more than 20 years. More. I've been visited by Bishop Dark. Visitation. I've been visited two times. Two. Two. Two or three times. That's it. Two. And once when I was not well, he visited. That is it. It has been enough to keep me in the church for over 20 years. I am talking about how to overcome shakur barrenness. And I'm saying, do follow up. The first one is pray. Number two, follow up. How do you do follow, follow up? I said, through prayer. Number two, by visiting them. By visiting them. Visiting them. When a new convert comes into your covenant family meeting, within 24 hours, latest 48 hours, you must visit the person. You must visit the person. Yeah. So in my church, I am visiting. My pastors are visiting. The cell leaders are visiting. I even have very busy people in the church who don't do anything. Very busy. Bankers, businessmen, professionals. They don't have any time to do anything for God. So I've given them a job. I've given them a job. Every Sunday, we give to them a list of converts. Five four, three, not many. And I tell them on Monday, call them from your office and tell them, Bishop said I should call you and thank you for coming to church last Sunday and to find out how are you doing? How are you doing? Then on Saturday, I say call them and remind them that tomorrow Sunday a church service, they should come. That's all. That's all the work that I've given them. Yeah. So those of who are very busy, you can do this work. Can you do this work? Those of who are very busy, you sit in your office and make calls. How many of you are realizing that to build a large church, it takes so many things? How many of you are realizing, lift up your hand if you are realizing that? Yes. A large church doesn't fall from the sky. You must do a lot of things. You must work on the church. Another way to overcome shakur barrenness is to fight for commitment. To fight for commitment. To fight for commitment. Amen. To fight what does it mean to fight for commitment? Not physical blows, but to do everything you can to get the commitment of the sheep to the church and to serving Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, 
Fighting for commitment starts by knowing that there are three different types of members in your church. Every pastor has three different types of members or three different types of sheep in your church. If you don't know the state of the sheep, you cannot even keep them. Amen. Amen. Pastors, in your church, there are three different types of sheep. The first type of sheep are the deer sheep. D-E-E-R. Deer. Do you have deer in Sierra Leone? Do you eat them? You eat them? Their meat is very nice. And they are the best lunch for lions. Dear sheep. Now, anybody who knows anything about sheep will know that, number one, dear, they are not in the town. They are in the forest. You cannot get deer in any part of Freetown. You have to go into the bush, into the forest. Number two, deer are very fast animals. They run very, very fast. They are dodgy. It is very difficult to catch a deer. Very difficult. Lions have to run and run and run and run to catch one deer. Yes. And you see, God is amazing. God is very amazing. When you go to the forest, even though lions and other predators, lions, uh, how do you call it, uh, um, tigers and all that, eat deers, they are getting finished, but the deers are increasing. Why? Because God gave the deers the ability to give birth at one time to a lot. So when a deer gives birth, it can give birth to 10, 15. So we are 15. If you eat five of us still, we are seven. It's the same principle of the agar baroness. Yeah. But lions, when they, one of their teeth gets broken, it affects them. They can't eat anymore. They die. So the lions are finishing, but the deer is increasing. So deers, and then also, because lions chase deers. Now, God has also done something. A lion can run very fast, but over a short period. After that, it gets tired. A deer can run very fast, but for a long time. So they are able to run away. And I'll tell you something else. This is just, this is just on the side. Deer, a deer or deers are able to go into water, jump into it, and keep under the water with their nostrils a little up and swim away from the predator. 
So now, there's a scripture that we are going to understand now. As the deer panted after the water brooks, so my soul pants after thee. My soul panted after the living God, even my God. When shall I come and appear before my king? You see, when a lion, a predator, is running after a deer, and the deer is running away, its heart is panting, pop, 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 and it's looking for water. Why? If it can find water and jump into it, it will be safe. As the predators of this life are chasing after you, if you can find the waters of Jesus Christ, you'll be safe. Amen. So, sheep that are dears, listen to this. The sheep that are dears in your church, you can't find them in the church. They are always in the forest. Always they have traveled. <laughs> why, do, why are you? Oh, I traveled to Ghana. Why did you go? I went to Guinea. Why did you go? I went to Kenema. Always on the run. When they come to church, you see them sitting in the congregation. You said to yourself as a pastor, after church, I want to see this person. After church, why, do, why is uh, uh, Moses Koroma? Uh, uh, Moses, where are you? I'm sitting in the bus. I'm going to be They are very fast. You can't find them. You cannot find them in the church. They don't do anything in the church. They are dear sheep. What must you do with your dear sheep? Be patient with them. Pray with them. Love them. Encourage them. You see, even though they are in the forest, but this dear sheep, when they, when they give an offering, they can pay for all your crusades. <laughs> you can pay for all your crusades. Yes. Yes. So don't throw them away. Don't kick them away. Fight for their commitment by praying for them, by loving, and even giving them something that they can do at their own leisure. Like what I told you. I tell my bankers, you get these three names. Sit in your office and call the person. It encourages them. It really, really encourages them. Are you here or you've gone home? Yeah. I'm going to give you a short break very soon. So, The second type of sheep or members is the goat, goat sheep or goat members. Do you have goat in Sierra Leone? Do you eat goat here? Do you have goat soup? Goat soup? Eh? But since I came, they have not given me goat soup. Yeah? One of my best food. Huh? Lady Pastor Violina, I don't know why you have not organized goat soup for me. It's goat soup for fufu. It's one of the best, you know, if you really want to show me that you love me. Give me goat Goat soup with fufu with either light soup or granite soup. And make sure that the goat meat is soft, not hard. 
Wow. It's a wawuza. Say it is a wawuza. Now, but there is something wrong with goats. Do you know what is wrong with goats? They are very stubborn. <laughs> they are very, very stubborn. They do what they like. You can't control them. Now, how many of you have seen that before? Look, I don't know whether you grew up in a village, but I grew up in a village. When you sit down with your cassava, goat-like cassava and salt, eh? When you are sitting right before your nose, they will come and they will begin to eat. Then you will knock it, pow, it will just run away like that. Two minutes later, it is coming back. God members are the members that we cannot control in a church. When we say they should pay tight, they won't pay tight. When we say they should give offerings, they won't give offerings. When we say we are having three-day fasting, they should all come. They will come only one day and disappear for the two days. They do what they like in the church, but they are part of the church. They are part of the church. Are you getting that? What are you going to do with them? Fight for commitment. Love them. Encourage them. Cancel them. Talk to them. Use their scriptures. Tell them. You know how important it is for them to be steadfast in their service of God and doing something for the Lord. Continue to love them and fight for commitment. Your aim, watch this, your aim, because how many of you know that goat is better than deer? Because at least the goat, you can find them in the church. Deer, you can't find them at all. So as a pastor, your aim is convert your deer sheep into goat sheep. Are you here? Are you here? But the best type of sheep are the sheep sheep. The members who are sheep. The members who are sheep. Do you know that God calls us his sheep? God said that we are the sheep of his pasture. Do you know that God said we are the sheep of his pasture? We are not lizards. We are not snakes. But we are sheep. Now, what is good about sheep? They are very obedient. Sheep follow the shepherd. So, sheep members are very useful. They are in the church. They play roles. They sing in the choir. They are ashes. They are covenant family uh, leaders. They are trainee pastors. They support the ministry. They pay their tithe, they give offerings, they support financially. They do everything that the pastor wants them to do. They follow. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So sheep follow. Hallelujah. Sheep follow. I see that Psalm 95 verse 7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. I see that. And the sheep of his son. Yeah. So, your fighting for commitment starts with your understanding that you must transform your dear members to become sheep members. So, from dear, they'll become goat members. From goat members, they'll become 
sheep members. Amen? How many of you understand that? Five for commitment. Amen? Now let me give you the last point. Then we'll take a break. Another thing you must do to fight for commitment is that you must be a committed pastor yourself. You must be a committed pastor yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. You must be a committed pastor, a committed church worker, a committed branch pastor, a committed departmental department leader, a committed covenant family uh, uh, shepherd. You yourself must be committed. You see, pastor says something like, praise the Lord, tomorrow, next week, for Monday, we are going to fast and pray from uh, Monday to Friday. Every evening at 6 p.m., we we'll all meet in the church and we pray from 6 to 7. When they come on Monday, you are not there. Tuesday, you are not there. Wednesday, you are not there. Where are you? You are sitting at home. You, the pastor, you are watching TV. You are watching TV. When you say they should do something, you don't do it. Even, listen to, listen to me, pastors. I will, I, will, I will show you how to improve your income and tithing in your church. If you want your, your, your offerings and tithing in your church to improve, this is what you do. When it is time for offerings, give offerings. And when it is time for tithe, take your tithe and come to the front and put it in the basket. The Bible says that as the shepherd, so are the sheep. Yeah. When they see, ah, pastor himself give offerings. Pastor himself pay his tithe. They will do the same. There are pastors who don't pay tithe. There are pastors who don't give offerings. When the offering basket is coming, you are watching your phone. And they watch you. When we are fasting, you don't fast. You say, okay, Saturday, we are all going on street evangelism. 3 p.m. The members arrive. You are not there. First time, you are not there. Second time, you are not there. Third time, when you call, nobody will come. The commitment of the members is dependent on the commitment of the pastor. I'll say it again. It is your commitment that will rob on your members. Oh yeah. You see? You see? When I go to church on Sunday, I'm there. I am there from the morning to the following day. So, all my pastors are there. My church workers are there. Nobody is going anywhere. They know I'm there. I am there. I'm working. They can see it. I'm counseling people. I'm teaching people. I'm training people. So they also do the same thing. So you are the choir leader. You don't come for choir rehearsals. Regularly. 
That is why the church doesn't work. I have had, I've had to, to close down my choirs over the years because the leader has pulled the choir. The leader doesn't come from his house. The leader doesn't pray. The leader is not spiritual. So, you see that the choir is going down, down, down. And I called him and said, it's okay. No more choir. Over. I've done it several times. Now, listen to this. The first principle about leadership is that everything depends on the leader. That's the first principle. If there's no prayer in the church, it means the pastor doesn't pray. If there's sin, persistent sin, immorality, a spirit of sin, immorality descends in the church where everybody is sleeping with everybody. I mean, one third of the ladies are pregnant without, you know, fathers. And it is likely that the pastor is doing something wrong. It is a spirit from the pastor that is affecting the church. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 How do we overcome shakor barrenness? We must pray. Number two, we must do follow-up. How do we do follow-up? Pray for the people, visit them, and fight for commitment. There is a fourth thing that we must do to fight shakor barrenness. That is having strong new believer school and other teaching programs in the church. I'm going to give you a break. When we come back, I'll pick it from there and I'll share with you a little more about other types of barrenness and then it will be over for the day. Why don't you clap your hands for the Lord? So let's welcome Bishop to give us I think a uh, 20 minutes break. I'm giving you 20. So it is about, um, it's about uh, what? 25 minutes? About 25 minutes to 11. So like 11 o'clock, we start the next session. I don't know whether I want to take an offering or something.